Welcome to Defend Theory. Hey guys, this is Julian Gray. This is Spencer Brown. Hi, this is John A. from Above and Beyond. And you're listening to Defend Theory on, on UCLA, UCLA Radio. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Defend Theory with your hosts, Valid and Leslie Snipes. Our guest today is someone we've wanted to bring onto the show for quite some time. Not only does he produce at volume, but the quality level is what makes him remarkable. He's been on a relentless rampage and he's been releasing on almost every electro progressive house trance label you could think of, including Anjuna Beats, Mousetrap, Silk, Zero Three, Enhanced, and its sub label Colorized. Oh, might I add, he's been doing this for a decade and he's only 22. Just as a quick primer, he grew up in France listening to rock music, but he discovered electronic music around the age of 11. Two years later, he officially started putting out music in 2009. Stephen holds the title of being the youngest guest mixer to appear on ABGT at the age of 16. But as of recently, he's found a great home at Colorize, where he's released his debut album and also been the lead driver of Colorscapes the label compilation. And so today we have David Zaganski. We hope you enjoy our chat with the one and only Matt Fax. So David, your debut US show is coming up next Friday, November 29th with Deza at the Mezzanine in San Francisco. I understand this is your first show in the US. What are you looking forward to most or what should the fans know about this show? Um. Obviously, with this show, it's part of the Colorscape Volume 1 tour, if we can call that a tour, because obviously we only have one show planned for now. So obviously, what they can expect for, for the show is, is a lot of tracks from the compilation, but also, and for my part, for my set, they will hear a lot of new music that I've been working on lately. I will be, as usual, testing a lot of music, playing classics, etc. So I really look forward to that. It's As you say, it's my first time in the United States and it's it's just amazing. I can't believe it's happening. And yeah, I mean, like, I never thought I would get to the United States even as a normal human being, you know, on a, on a trip or something. So it's really, really exciting for me. Just to tie things back to Colorscapes, tell us a little bit about that project and how that came about because this is the first annual compilation and it seems like things are looking really good for Colorize. Uh, yeah. I just forgot your, your question because uh, <laughs> there, there is some noise just behind me. But I guess I answer Just a second. Fucking rabbit doing noise. I mean, an interview. <laughs> this is a literal <laughs> rabbit. No yeah, yeah, so the question was about Colorscapes. Colorscapes. Yeah, so yeah. it's the first ever compilation that we are doing at Colorize. And actually, it's been in talk since uh, a few years now. Uh, I remember I first came with the project of doing a compilation, but that was a different project than Colorscapes. And I think the, the project restarted really back in March. We, we we got Deza onto this compilation as well because obviously it was also getting started with Quise uh, and Enhanced. So yeah, I mean like uh, it's been a couple of months of sending mails to artists like, yeah, we like your stuff. We would like to have you on the compilation. And then selecting tracks, doing the mixes. And yeah, I think like, yeah, this is the first compilation uh, of many to come hopefully. 
I think we are we are going to try to do it annually. So yeah, we'll see how it yeah. goes. But the reaction, the first volume has been amazing. And yeah, it, it led to have uh, uh, a couple of shows all around the world. So yeah, it's amazing. And one standout is Prana. That's one name that's been floating around and has been emerging for a better part of this year. Who are they? Always the same question every time. <laughs> I mean, Prana. It's the most burning question. Yeah, I mean, Prana could be anyone. It can be me, it can be Daza, it can be you. It can be you, actually. We don't know. I don't know. I don't know who is Prana, actually. Yeah. I can't. I, can, really? I don't know. I, really, really, I don't know. I just yeah. know that they that yeah. they are doing great music, and that's all that matters. And obviously, I think the very exciting thing is that we don't know who it is, and I think it's part of the excitement of this project because otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be an exciting project. You wouldn't, you know what I mean? So, even if I was knowing, I I would not say. And you maybe at some point they will reveal, or maybe they will not. I don't know. I don't know who is Prana. Prana is everyone. Hmm. It's a, it's not an artist. It's a feeling. It's a. <laughs> yes. In terms of Colorscape, will there be a volume two? I think so. I mean, like with the great reaction of the, the volume one, I think that we are going to do a volume two. We haven't started uh, discussing it yet, but I think maybe early next year we are going to start making plans because, yeah, the reaction has been so great and everyone is talking about this compilation. So, yeah, it's, there will be definitely a volume two, I think. I don't work at Colorize as an A&R, so, uh, but my two cents is going to, to, to be a volume two. At least I want to do a volume two, so Colorize, guys. Bring me on volume two, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sh the fans are definitely wanting volume two for sure. Yeah, it's it'll be a good thing to follow up on. And in terms of just, you also released your debut album on Colorized. Are you working on your second album as we speak? Yes. How's that going? Good. <laughs> I'm going to do only short answer for now. Now, now, for real, yeah, I'm, I've been working on the second album for, I mean, like, since the beginning of the year, I think. But, you know, I'm always making tracks, so uh, a lot of tracks that I've been doing in the past that I haven't been released yet uh, has been put in the maybe album two folder, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, yeah there isn't a second album coming. I just don't want to see to to say when it's coming and how is it coming how many tracks because i just want it to be a total surprise like maybe you know one day you would just uh, go on spotify and see a new release and boom an album like you know it could be it could be uh, something i mean like it, it shouldn't be a surprise now because obviously i said it's going to be maybe a surprise and if i say it's a surprise it's not going to be a surprise anymore <laughs> surprise session <laughs> but yeah i mean like yeah uh, i've been working on the second album it's it might be released at some point. We will see. But yeah, always working on music anyway. So even if it's not a second album, there is a ton of new music coming. Don't worry for that. One thing that is remarkable about your work is that you seem to be producing a lot of work in short amounts of time. 
compared to the average producer. How are you able to produce as much as you do on a regular basis without running out of ideas? First of all, I often run out of ideas. The thing is, I when I get ideas, I within a day I can create like four or five different ideas or you know projects in Ableton. And you know, sometimes I come back to older projects from 2016, 2017 and try to finish them. And you know, that's how I do it. It's it's always re- reworking old projects that I haven't finished in the past. Sometimes it can happen that I, I, I go with an idea and complete the track within the day or within the week, but it doesn't happen that often. So yeah, it's always, you know, starting ideas Leave, the, leave them on the side and come back at it later and completing each ideas a bit more every day. And that's how you, you finish tracks. Obviously, that's how mm-hmm. I do it. I don't know how I do it, actually. It's very instinctive. I don't, I don't really know how I'm, how I'm producing, actually. I just do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, though. You just let the creativity happen when it happens. and. Yeah, yeah, and, and and one thing, one important thing is that I don't have any job beside the music. So from <laughs> 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., I just do music or most of, most of the time, I just do music. So that's that's also one of the things that allows me to do that much tracks. Uh, otherwise, you know, I would just, you know, release tracks once in a while. But yeah, I have the, the chance, if we can call that chance, to have only the music as uh, a, as a job, actually. We can say it's a job. And yeah, that's it. That's how... I mean, you could say the same thing for other artists. I feel like there's always a track that's being released by you every other week. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's been... It's quite true. Uh, I remember, like, I think it was back in June or July, I would have, like, a remix or a track release every single week. But that's also because of the reschedule of the labels and everything. Sometimes it's... Sometimes they just decide, like, for example, with Armada, sometimes they... I do a remix or a track for them and they keep it for a year. And then all of a the sudden they say, okay, we're well, just going to release everything at once. And <laughs> not that, but that's real. I mean, like it all depends on the reschedule when when you are working with one label it's really easier you know to space your release because obviously you have only one reschedule but when you are releasing with multiple labels sometimes you have to deal with all the reschedules of uh, the label the artist releasing of the labels your one reschedule and yeah that's how sometimes you can have a full release a week or a month and then nothing, and then again, you know. So yeah, it's all, it's all the scheduling thing, actually. Hmm. And do you have a process after you make a track? Do you know instantly, like, this song should go on Colorize, or this should go to Armada? Like, do you send tracks to multiple labels, send, or how do yeah. you how do you decide which label should have which track? It's very instinctive. Obviously, since I'm working with Enhance as management thing, uh, I always send everything I do to Enhance. And then if I feel a track should be on a label, I said, yeah, can we give that track to that label, please? Obviously, they will say, no, we want it for Coral Rise. <laughs> but yeah, it's sometimes, uh, I mean, like it depends on the style I do, because obviously I do a lot of 
different kind of music. And for the, I, I feel like it's been a pattern of the most deeper stuff going on Coral Ride, the most trendsetter stuff go on Enhanced Progressive or Armada. And sometimes it depends on the influence. If I have a pretty much Eric Pretzi track, it would go on Zero Tree. If I have a more classic progressive track, it would go on Silk. I mean, like, it all depends on, because I listen to a lot of labels, what they release. And so I try to align myself with this label. And yeah, that's it, actually. That's all. It's really instinctive. I mean, like, it's not like I'm doing a track and I say, yeah, okay, now I need to do a track for Engina. I need to do a track for Armada. I always, I, I once try and it doesn't really work out because music is really instinctive. You know, you if it's too much calculated, it's not it's not really good. You you can't really finish a track like that. At least I can't do it. But yeah, that's how I work. I just, you know, send to wherever I feel it, it's best and that's it. Yeah, just have to let the creativity flow and not worry yeah. about the business side when you're producing. And your alias, Max Matt Fax, where did it come from? And That's a great question. Were, uh, David, David R, right? Yes, yes. So actually, I've been through a lot of aliases, even aliases you 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 don't know about. Let me share an exclusivity with you into this interview because obviously we are listening, we are being listened by billions of people here. So yeah, this is an exclusive. <laughs> now this is an of exclusivity. Course. I have one alias that hasn't been uh, revealed yet. It's called Merch. Corona. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's merch. called Merch. Merch. Okay. It had a couple of reasons. Zero three. Uh, I think like three or four releases and. Obviously, this was during a time that I I was not feeling mad facts anymore, but I was still working on my first artist album, but I wanted to give up after my, my first album. Obviously, I didn't because I'm still here, but definitely, yeah. So I just wanted to switch the style and do a kind of prana kind of aliases and do, you know, like not reveal who I am and anything and just do music like like I wanted to do. And so that's one of the alias. It's called Merch. There is a couple of reads. You can check it out on Spotify and Beatport. It, did, it, it didn't really work. And at the time, Mad Facts, ju I just released my first album with Mad Facts and everything just blows. So I just had to give it this alias. But yeah. coming back to your question about how Mad Facts has been created, the, the alias. One day I was listening to two tracks, uh, to some tracks on Shuffle and two tracks came. One from Madzo called Bipolar, which was on Engine Beats, great track. And the following track was from Jeremy Hollander called Fairfax. So I just said Madzo, Fairfax, Madfax. Okay, let's stick with it. Huh. This is a really weird way to choose your alias, but it just <laughs> stayed, you know, and that sounded good. So I just kept it. Huh, interesting. Yeah, that's definitely the first time we've ever heard that someone made their alias based on two separate tracks. Huh. Now you're going to San Francisco to actually debut in the U.S. It kind of highlights one point in your career where you actually really thought about quitting music. And so tell us a little bit about that. You mentioned that you were going nowhere with your music. So what changed and why weren't you believing in your music? To be fairly honest, I always been an unsure guy. Uh, so even if 
something really works. I don't really understand that it works. So I always look on the on the bad side of, of the story, actually. So uh, when I decided to quit music, I think it was, it was like like five or six years ago, I was dealing, you know, with school, with personal life and everything. You're 18 um, I'm, at the moment. I think more like 17, but uh, yeah, okay. nearly that age, actually. The thing that happened was... I wanted to quit music because uh, I couldn't, you know, produce anymore. Uh, I was always getting disturbed or, you know, distracted by other things. And so I said, why should I continue? There is other amazing people that can do the thing that I do. So that's why I decided to stop. And what made me come back is actually the fact that some people actually messaged me heavily during that period, showing their love uh, for my music and saying, yeah, no, don't quit. And so I decided to reconsider, to retry doing music. And I did a couple of tracks. I said, okay, I'm just going to release this track and see if it goes. I think it was the track going down on Colorize. Uh, I said, if this track works, I'm going to continue, otherwise I will just call it quits and that's it. And it finally worked and here I am, still doing music now. What was one message that stood out to you that really uh, resonated with you and made you want to come back to music? I remember getting a mail from uh, a fellow uh, silk music artist, Dan Sieg, who messaged me on my personal mail and he told me, man, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. Uh, I've been through the same thing. And at the, at the same time, I also had another people from Silk that was going since uh, with the same thing, actually. And we've been friends and he helped me in a way. Uh, we, we support each other and that's how I got back uh, into music. It's by... Uh, knowing that somebody else was feeling the same thing that I felt. Not at the same level, because now it didn't come back to music. But, <laughs> well, that's that's some of the of the messages. It's actually the fact of seeing people that were feeling the, the same thing as me. And so with discussing, we see that it's not the end of the world. It can happen to other people. So, yeah, that's a totally normal thing in the end. And through this process, did you have anyone that directly mentored you or kind of encouraged you to pursue music as an artist or any like DJ that was involved in your upbringing as an artist? To be honest, uh, I don't know if there is any particular DJ, but what I can say is that Enhanced has been very, very implicated into my return to the scene. And at the same time, I, I had my first ever management uh, used to take care of me. So that uh, was motivation for me. Like, okay, uh, there's some people taking care of my career. So I don't have any rights to to calling it quits again, you know. Even for that, uh, sometimes after I will, you know, post me a message on Facebook like, uh, my management is so bad, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, like, th th there was some some bad story, but, you know. Yeah, actually, actually, I think that Enhance and my management at the time, which is now different, but they have been a real motivation for me, and they really encouraged me to continue. And every time I was down, they would, stay, they would tell me, yeah, don't give up. Uh, don't the, you, you see that you, you could, like, uh, return 
after your 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 quit kind of uh, of period so you don't have the right to to quit again you know what i mean so yeah it's been very encouraging so you have a pretty interesting stance on social media as well namely that you don't appear to be super into it so what role do you think social media should have or what role would you like social media to have for map facts and in general for uh progressive artists as a whole well that's quite of a hard question all i can say is that even for i happen to be a lot on social medias actually not that much i mean like i'm not posting as much as i'm on as i'm on social medias i mean like it's i think it's part of you know my generation we are a lot on social media as you know watching stuff on instagram and twitter and i think that it's a great thing because uh, i'm following a, a tons of people on whatever twitter or instagram or anything and that permits me to keep up with everyone that i like and I think that's what the social media should be about. It's some people use it to post some funny memes or you know some funny things, but I think it should be first to let the people know what's coming next in terms of show releases, especially when you are an artist, uh, not especially a musical artist, but you know an actor or something. It's great, you know, to let people know what's coming next, and that's how I try to use my my social medias. Uh, so actually, I sometimes it's my management posting for me, but most of the time I try to have a control on what I post. Uh, I try, for example, to avoid posting my own opinions because the, you saw that a lot of people actually post their opinion or they post something and sometimes getting backlash for it. So that's something I'm trying to avoid. But any, everyone has their own way to use the social medias. I think it's I think it's a great tool. Uh, I think that like back in the days in the nineties or early two thousand, we didn't have that, and that's no great thing. It just depends how you use it. Actually, I think. I think it's I think part of the problem is people feel like they're not. They would never do a lot of this stuff in person, but because it's online. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, that... social media allows a lot of things. Like, you are just behind your computer just with a random profile picture so you can say anything. In person, right. you, you because you don't have, like, the reaction. I don't, I don't think I saw any people, like, you know, running into, like, let's say, like, Armin Van Buren, like, say, Hey, you music is trash. Come back to trance. Like, yo, they will, they, they will uh, say it on Twitter, but in person, they will like, Oh, you're the best DJ in the world. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's the part of, is that, that's part of the problem, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been also interested to learn about who you've been listening to lately and what sort of has your, uh, what has caught your eye as of late? Yeah, uh, to be, to be, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm just trying to think of names because beside the promos that I receive from my radio show, I don't really listen to stuff on Spotify as much as, as, much as I used to do maybe last year. Estiva, 
is one of my uh, top artists that I listen regularly, especially his last album is something that I've been evilly listening and evilly inspired from. Uh, mm -hmm. Guys like uh, also Enden uh, are very amazing. Yeah, I tend to, to think that the more darker artists that emerge right now, you know, for example, like, you know, Tale of Us, uh, this kind of guys, this kind of vibe really get to my hairs right now. And yeah, uh, but I listen to a lot of music. I mean, like, especially I listen to a lot of non-electronic music uh, on my free time. So, yeah. And so one final question before we head into the rapid fire section. I have to ask about this remix, Light as a Feather. I absolutely Well, adore... that's an old one. Yes, it is. But Valid and I absolutely adore that song. And I want to ask if you kind of foresee that more feelsy vocal coming back into the main progressive house vein or into Matt Fax's music as well. Hmm... To be honest, I I'm not really fond of vocals in electronic music because they always they, they can easily be cheesy. So even for my first album, I tried to I tried to avoid having too much vocals. So I mean, like "Light as a Feather," the, the original track was really good. And by the way, I think that Aruna should definitely be back in, in trance music. That's that's mm. one of the greatest voice that we had in trance music. So, but now she's into drum and bass, liquid drum and bass kind of thing. So yeah, it's up to her. I mean, like we all evolve. So we usually close out the show with a rapid fire section. And so basically that consists of saying the very first thing that comes to mind. So we ask a question, you say the very first thing that comes to mind, and then we move on to the next question immediately let's do it let's do it let's try it. it all right ready set yeah go favorite subreddit uh above and beyond favorite effect when mixing uh delay reverse delay record box tractor or serato uh record box uh favorite 90s track Ooh. Any Radiohead song from OK Computer. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? A rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. One word to describe yourself in high school. Uh... That's it. <laughs> no. Uh... Serious. What is the first album you ever bought? Eminem, the Eminem show. And Preds, Prida, or Cyrus D. Ah, oh, Prida. But everything before uh, 2013, when okay. it used to be good. Interesting. Huh, okay. Mm. Cool. Don't tweet at me, I Eric. I'm joking. <laughs> 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 uh, and finally dream b2b uh, i don't know because my dream bike to back was with bt so i don't know uh armin armin okay cool armin yes 
Also, before we head out, is there anything you'd like to uh, say to the listeners and your fans? Anything coming up? What I want to say, just saying thank you guys for the support this year. It's been incredible. I've been skyrocketing uh, and a lot of things happened that I never thought it would happen. And I have a lot of things coming up. I mean, like, just follow me on the socials, especially Twitter and Instagram, because obviously I'm not very much on Facebook. Just so dated. But yeah, if you want to see the, to know something, Instagram, Twitter, I'm an easy search. It's at Madfax Music. There's not a billion of me anyway. <laughs> and thank you for the listener for tuning in to this episode. The guest mix will be out next week. And with that... Hope you have a good rest of the week and take care.